newly released body cam video from Colorado Springs. A 19-year-old shot and killed by police. At one point, the video shows his hands in the air running away. He's then shot. ABC's chief national correspondent, Matt Gutman, with the video, and it is disturbing. Hey, guys. Can I talk to you a sec? Tonight, this newly released body camera video sparking new questions about the final moments of 19-year-old Devon Bailey, who died while trying to flee police. Colorado Springs police responding to a reported armed robbery. So we got a report of two people, similar descriptions, possibly having a gun, all right? So don't reach for your waist. We're gonna just check and make sure that you don't have a weapon, all right? As a third officer approaches Bailey from behind, he turns and runs away. Hands up, hands up, hands up! Get your hands up, get your hands up, get your hands up! The officers later performing CPR on Bailey until he was taken to the hospital where he died. He did not have a weapon in his hand and had not shown any weapon when he was shot in the back and killed. In the video, too graphic to show, you can hear police saying Bailey had a gun and can see as they try to retrieve an object. Surveillance video released last week sparked outrage and protests. David, police continue to insist that Bailey had a gun. Now, the district attorney is reviewing the case. Bailey's funeral is set for tomorrow. David. Matt Guppin with us tonight, Matt. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight is no exception. The killing and the shooting death of Devon Bailey has sparked a lot of controversy, not only here in Colorado Springs, but across this nation. Why is it that African Americans and minorities die as a result of cops acting, really, a little bit too quick? And how is it that human life has been devalued at a, no, a whole nother level? Tonight, we're going to break that off for you. We're going to discuss that in studio, Tiana Boone, Hisani Smith-Jones, and James President from our community right here in Colorado Springs, the senseless death of Devon Bailey. Folks, hang on. We take off right now. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Kendrick Barnes, Sampson Riddle, William Williams, Dennis Merritt, and, the, and Cliff Stewart and the entire uh, AJC radio team tonight as we get ready to go down a road that's probably not comfortable for most, uh, but necessary that this story be told tonight. Tiana um, and Hassani, thank you so much for being in the studio with us tonight. Thank you thank for having us. Uh, we appreciate that, Mr. President. James President, uh, this young man... Uh, I've known for many, many years and reached out to us this week, and he's going to shine his perspective on the death, I believe, the senseless killing of Devon Bailey. It's a tragedy, uh, and this is something we have to go into. Samson, as we get ready to go down this road now, uh, this is a serious issue. Um, I believe, uh, based upon what we have talked about, that Mr. Bailey simply did not have to die. No, and I, I completely agree with that. I actually just rewatched uh, the body cam footage again, and I mean, in, at no point did he reach for anything. This young man's hands were in the air. I mean, yeah, he's being surrounded by cops, and I'm sorry, but police across this nation have a track record, especially in recent history, of senselessly killing 
black men, minorities, everything else like that, because the fact is they don't fear any reprisal. They don't fear anyone coming out and saying anything about it. And then now this young man, I had, to, I had the opportunity to talk to him two weeks before this incident happened. And it absolutely breaks my heart that he was senselessly just cut down and what is ultimately like not even the prime of his life. He hadn't even got started on his life yet. 19 years old. And they, and they feel like three, four grown men, armed men with body armor on underneath their uniforms feel like they have to unload their weapons on these young men. It's, it's absolutely senseless. Kendrick, your thoughts? Well, I just think it's a, it's a tragedy that the police always think that everything deserves the death penalty. And it was not clear why they were uh, basically chasing Mr. Bailey. It was not clear of anything. It was just that he ran, and their next reaction is, this is the Wild West, let's start shooting. And to me, it's, it's a tragedy because as of yet, there is, there is not one police officer that has been convicted of murder after the death of a, of a, of a person or anyone they're apprehended. None of, none of them see justice. They just they might lose their job. They might, they might see some sort of a, a demotion. But beyond that, there's no, there's no repercussions, as Samson was saying, that they feel like, well, we need to change our behavior and change how we view lives and citizens of this country. No, absolutely right. And we're going to get into that conversation, but uh, we're going to be getting into some serious conversation. Uh, the family members, I had the opportunity to go to this funeral on Friday, and that was one of the most um, difficult things to go through. Um, and you're going to hear on the other side of this break, you're going to hear from uh, Tiana Boone, uh, Hassani Smith-Jones, and Mr. James President. We're going to get their perspective. They are his family uh, in this situation. And uh, again, our hearts and, and prayers go out to every family member of Devon Bailey. And uh, a JJC Radio Just Cause organization will continue to fight for justice. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. I wish I was in school. today or a book report to give I wish I was in school I'll stay after class I'll clean the chalkboard I'll do extra homework I'll skip recess I wish I was in school I wish I was in school I really wish I was in school. School ends, but free lunches for your kids don't have to. Find your local food bank at feedingamerica.org slash summer meals for help. Together, we're feeding America. My nephew Joshua was 13 when he was killed in 2001 was living with me at the time. He asked me, can I go by Billy's house? I thought, well, you know, what's the harm in that? You know? My mistake was I assumed that there was a parent home. I assumed his father had his weapon properly secured. The kid had removed the magazine, so the kid was sure that the gun was safe. 
And he, what he didn't know was there was a bullet chamber. Joshua had this fear of weapons because he lost his mother to gun violence. I think this kid really pulled the trigger to show Joshua that, that it was not dangerous. The hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is to tell my mom we have to bury her grandson. The pain was so great, we just wanted to do something positive and we also wanted to try to prevent families from experiencing the same pain that this put my family through. We began working with the End Family Fire campaign. Family Fire is the accidental shooting of a family member with a weapon that was improperly secured, improperly stored. It's a difficult conversation for people. You don't want to ask or say anything to your neighbors because you don't want to offend them. But there are important things we should know. Where are they going when they play? <laughs> what is the environment of that home? We have to understand that children are inquisitive. They're curious. And there's not one corner of the house that they haven't gone through. If you're a gun owner, you have to make sure your weapon is inaccessible. It will save the family from the pain and the trauma that my family's put through. Because once that happens, it's forever. And if I could prevent one family from experiencing that, then his life will have some purpose. In the fabric of America, they are the toughest threads. One of the first things they learned was the code that every service member lives by. Leave no one behind. Now all of us need to live by it too, because some veterans are being left behind. 20 of them take their own lives every day. Learn how to be there for a veteran at BeThereForVeterans.com. Honor the code. Be there. Leave no one behind. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. We deal with an uncomfortable conversation. We deal with a time in this country where we are at a crossroad. Senseless death by the hand of officers. Unexplained shootings that has at best gone to to justify the killing of multiple people in this country by a police officer who perhaps did not think the situation through. There's a lot of controversy on both sides of this. Some people say, well, he had a gun. What was the threat of that weapon at the time that those shots that you heard at the beginning of this show rang out? Officers had let the holster out, the gun out the holster, at the moment when Devon was getting ready to pivot. How is it, and this is the question we must ask, that an armed 
person, not African-American, can go into a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, locked and loaded with multiple weapons, comes out the theater with multiple weapons, leaves alive. How is that? How is it that you'll have a man, I believe it was in North Carolina, uh, at the church uh, that took place? How does he get in? He's invited by the parishioners. They're having Bible study on a Wednesday night. A massacre takes place. How is it that he walks away alive? But you have a man in New York City by the name of Eric Gardner selling cigarettes on the corner. Not a weapon. Not a threat. Choked to death by NYPD. How is it a man is at a CD store selling CDs, restocking, a weapon is on him in his pocket, but he's allowed to carry. How does he take three shots to the chest, point blank range, and dies? This and these are the questions that matter. Devon Bailey, regardless of what you think of him, you may say he shouldn't have ran. Maybe not. It's not a death sentence. If he was guilty at the end of the day, the last I read was the presumption of innocence is in place. So where is the other option besides deadly force? When the cops yelled, come back, there was a moment when his hands went up. Eight shots, from what I verified, maybe nine, were fired. That's not to slow no one down. That's to kill. He's running away from the officer, not towards him. He's not a threat, no matter how you look at it. Right now, we're going to come on in and bring our, our first guest. We're honored to have her, Tiana Boone. Thank you to have me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Uh, met you some weeks ago. Yes, sir. Had a conversation with you as uh, I was canvassing <laughs> the area, <coughs> trying to find the house of the family that lost Devon. Yes, sir. I cannot tell you how my heart breaks for you and your family. Thank you. And the loss of this man is unacceptable. Absolutely. It's unacceptable. And I don't care what side of the conversation you're on. Then fly. The problem with this country is that we have lost the value of human life. We've lost that. So what I'm going to do, Tiana, and then I'm going to come to Hassana and get her thoughts. Tiana, tell me your thoughts of this shooting when you heard about it. We'll get into the conversation about the protests, the, uh, the crowd, guns being pulled on the crowd there as they protested Colorado Springs Police Department. Give me your account, what you've gone through, what your feelings are as a result of the loss of Devon. It's, it's hard to put in words. More so it's just emotional. 
Um, words can't fathom how hurt and how lost I feel. Um, my nephew was my everything, my soul. Like, <laughs> we talked about everything. But the loss of this young man, he wasn't even at his prime. Not even at his prime in life. He had goals and aspirations. We just sat up, talked. He was going to go to semi-pro football. He was he was trying to get his CDLs. He was trying to drive. He was trying to get out there. And he, was, he has a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do anything he can to provide for his girlfriend and his baby that's come, that's on the way now. Oh. And just losing such a gentle soul. The media portrays him to be this bad, bad kid, this teenage, troubled teenage kid, and he wasn't. He was an honest, genuine soul. He, he would say, see somebody walking on the road, he would stop and make sure they were okay just because they looked down or they was walking with their head down. Mm-hmm. That man always had his head up high, and he never ever had his head down. He he comforted me in many ways than others could comfort me. And I never felt that way as being an auntie sure. and having someone younger than me, I looked up to well, in a way. And no. as far as he looked up to me. And I just, I can't really fathom, like I can't get all the words together of how lost and distraught I am, but I'm lost without him. I know he's here though, with me in the heart. Mm-hmm. But yeah. seeing his face every morning, it just, it, it kills me. I, I walk out my house and I look to, towards his house. He lived right across the street from me. And every time, every morning I'd wake up, I'd see him there and he'd come over and we'd hang out and talk. Wow. But I don't, I don't get that, I don't get that privilege no more. Right. I don't get that opportunity to, to give him a hug and to say, I love you no more. Right. I don't, I don't get none of that no more. Oh, that's, that's gotta be tough. Um, when you see the, the media, um, and those that do it, I, I don't think everyone in the media does that, but those that do, uh, they so- oftentimes will attempt to demonize this young man. And anybody that, well, they had a record. It's not a death sentence. No, it's not. Well, they had this going on. It's not a death sentence. He had, he had a right for a day in court. <coughs> they say they, well, they went off of what, a 911 call that came in, and somebody made the statement that uh, he had committed a crime. Uh, it, there were two people fitting this description. What are your thoughts of that 911 call, personally? Um, I feel the 911 call was a setup. That young man who made that phone call, I believe, honestly, he knew my nephew. He, know, he knew of him. Like The description he gave him and just the, the wording, I listened to that tape that the news put out, the, the voice mm-hmm. call. I listened to it over and over again, and he said, oh, at first he knew him, and then he said he, he didn't know him, but he knew exactly where he lived. He could give him his address, and, you know, mm-hmm. little indications and red flags like that, that to me and to our family showed that that boy who made that phone call considered himself as a friend to my nephew and whatever happened in, in that disagreement so forth I wouldn't I didn't I don't see my nephew either trying to put any gun to nobody and trying to say give me your money or trying to go through any pockets see, or rock. You, no, you don't see that he's not that he is not he's not a, he's not a, just like a savage he's not right. you know aggressive he's not like that you know if he has, needs money he'll go make his own money he doesn't need to go take the next the next man's money and the sure. way that boy was describing it it's he knew him he knew him. How do you not? How do you get robbed in a different location? Walk down the street to a old, the older, the, um, the elderly home, mm-hmm. but give the description and say, "I don't really know his name, but you knew where his address. You knew his address. You knew his home." Sure. I Did mean, he? how do you know that 
uh, without knowing him. Mr. President, and Hassan, I'm coming to you. Mr. President, your thoughts on this, on this killing? Well, it's a sensitive su- subject because I had an uncle who was uh, like a brother to me. And um, same thing, you know, striving to um, maintain like everyone does. Um, um, a family man, he was a single father, and they came in his apartment and killed him. CSPD. CSPD. If you don't know who that is, folks, across the country, Colorado Springs Police Department. Yeah. Yeah, Gregory Herring. They came, they came to his apartment, and it was it was really um, it was strange because he had a business where he um, sold fragrance oils, and I I remember coming to him because he's my uncle. <laughs> yeah. And I you know and I said man I said um, I was having some trials and tribulations, and I said I gotta I gotta find some extra ends you know so I can make some things happen for my young. And he and he went in the back of his in the back room and came back, and he gave me two bundles of uh, some oils, and I took took them out, and I was able to take care of that business, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm 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 in the mall and I'm at the shop and I'm I'm working, and this fellow I know comes in, and he says, you know, he looks at me, he says, he says, Greg is gone. You know, when somebody says something like that, it it threw me. I was like, nah, you talking about this. You talking about this man, you know, who's strong. Right. He said, he's gone. I said, well, he's gone where? He said, he's gone. And I'm like, what? I just talked to him. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you, you know, they what they did to him is they, um, when they came in the apartment, he had grabbed a couple of, you know, the sticks you put in your window to hold the window closed? Sure. He grabbed the sticks out and... We, we were trained when we were young, so he, he really knows the martial arts. It's not like one, two, three, or nothing like that. Like he, In short, he put it on him. Mm-hmm. But what they did to him is they tased him to death, and he went into cardiac arrest, and then they beat him too. And um, the pictures, I don't know, maybe another show we talk about it, but they crushed his eye bone right here. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and um, not to go off to the woods on my uncle, I'm just saying that I can relate to you. Um, when I look at the video, there's a few things in question. And one of the things is when you athletic and you running, everybody know the rules. Is it, you, you, you can't, he got on gym shorts, did nothing fall on the ground. Hmm. And, and the other thing too is, uh, you know, when they moving them around and tugging on them, it, to me, it looked like a, um, a slammed cell. You know, it's like you run the other end, I'm on the other end, and I got this camera, and I gotta make it look good. Mm-hmm. Is is how I seen it. It's like he's like he's got a gun, but you didn't see no gun on the video. You never saw Not a gun on the video. So mm-hmm. so my my problem with that was first of all he's wearing gym shorts. Why ain't nothing falling on the ground? What kind of gym shorts are those? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause, Cause, we know the swim trunks, and them ain't comfortable. But them were swim trunks. Those were gym gym trunks. Mm. So I look at that. Point. I look at that, and then I look at um, the fact that another another thing is is um, the way they were handling him. Yeah. How do you know after he was shot, he couldn't have survived? You ain't supposed to move people around like that when something like that happens. Am I clear on 
the body was missing um, for a few days. Is that true? They they we couldn't. The Memorial Hospital wouldn't release any any information to to us. They wouldn't let us know where he was at. They wouldn't let us see us until a couple of days later. Then we got a call from the coroner's office saying that we were able to go pick his body up from the coroner's office. Mm-mm-mm. So we couldn't. We no one no one told us anything. We didn't have Memorial that didn't that night. Memorial Hospital did not let us see him. Didn't let us go into the back. They had an officer come out and tell us that he didn't make it. And then they kicked us all out and put it on lockdown and shut all the doors and locked it. Are you saying the doctors would not come out and pronounce time of death? No. no to sir. the family? No, sir. It was it was the CSPD. So they high, came out. Highly unusual. Hassan, give me give me your thoughts. Um, what happened? It was uncalled for. It wasn't. It wasn't fair. It wasn't. They didn't even give him a chance. And knowing that you're not you're you're not giving a young man a chance just because he took off running, you're supposed to use other techniques right. before you pull out your weapon. Off tops, you have to. It's procedure. Right. They didn't even do that. They didn't give him. They didn't give him a chance to even just stop and freeze with his hands up. They. It took him 58 was, seconds to open fire from the officer walking, getting out of his vehicle until my nephew hit the ground. 58 seconds. Mm-hmm. And if anybody could look at somebody in 58 seconds and determine that person needs to die, it's a coward. You are not God. Right. And you know what? You get tired of these cops coming up. I mean, the first issue is they pull up. And they give the, you know, the canned little speech that they give every black man on the street. Mm-hmm. Oh, you meet the description of somebody who just committed a crime. Now, what is that description? What is that crime? It don't matter. Mm-hmm. Then they look and say, okay, now don't move. If you move. Now, how many times have we seen black men shot in the back? And then they want to ask you, why you running? Well, why are you chasing me? Why did you shoot me nine times in my back? And and we all know what comes at the end of the day. Investigation, the cop says, I felt for my life and for the life of my fellow officers. And he gets a pass on killing another young man on the street. These are the type of things that we tell the community, you got to stand up and, and fight against. Make your voice heard. Vote out the DA. Vote out the chief of police. Vote out the sheriff of the of the uh, El Paso County. You got to make your voice be heard because it hasn't happened yet in this case, but you know it's coming. I fear for my life. Why? Because somebody on the phone said there's a black guy out there with a gun. Now, what if they would have pulled up on somebody else? If it would have been some other kids playing, if it would have been some younger kids. Oh, you, you know, you look at the uh, the kid, I forget his name, that got shot in the park playing with a cap gun. Mm. Why? Because it's a black boy mm-hmm. that somebody said he looks like he's threatening somebody else that's a color that's not his. So at the end of the day, if you kill him, that's all right. Then the officers have their cam response, I feared for my life. You ain't feared for Jack. You wanted to kill somebody and you figured that, it's a 98% chance you're going to get away with it. And that's a tragedy. Well, and you have families that are crushed, that are destroyed, that are, uh, you know, and then it just proliferates the fear of police. 
and then the police claiming that they have a reason to fear the community. It's, it's disgusting. No, absolutely right. And I don't know if folks are aware, uh, Governor uh, Polis calls for independent investigation into shooting of Devon Bailey by Colorado Springs police. Uh, we're going to share that further. An investigation has been called for. Uh, Hysana, tell us, uh, Tiana, explain what she's going through. The pain, the loss. Uh, I've lost loved ones. No easy rope. But when you have to see this young man on that camera, what I gathered from that, from him, he was terrified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you are scared, when you are terrified, then click that if I run right now, I will die. It's not in your head. Fear, 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 fear has already zoned that out. I can't get that look out of my, out of my mind. And you're going to have a lot of people say, well, must be guilty. He ran. But that's the perception. Well, that, that's to that's, some people. Yeah, and that comes from a person who's not black and it does not live. Mm-hmm. It's a different mindset when the police approaches a young black man than maybe approaches a young white man. You, 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 a lot of people believe, you know, that the, that the police is there to protect them and not to protect others. They have that view. Well, here's, here's what, and, and please hear me, I play the devil's advocate. So please understand what I'm gonna say. You know my position. He should not have died. Make that clear. Simple and plain. No, no matter, no matter um, what he looks like, it's just unfortunate that, like he was saying, the, the DA and all them, like a lot of the setup, mm-hmm. um, with him running, I felt like that before. It's like a subconscious PTSD. And a lot of people don't even know they have it. You know, you just, you start thinking about things. When, you know, when they get behind you, you start thinking about things like, oh, I got to get back to the kids. Uh, the kids are at home. And you don't, you don't want to go nowhere with them. So, I mean, guilty? That don't, that don't have nothing to do with guilty. That's well, a subconscious thing. You, sometimes your, your gut will tell you, run. You know, you just take off. And, and, and my and again I agree with that uh, to the people that look on it in a different way and I make this point even if that conclusion is formed I watched the tape and hated that he ran I believe that man I hate that you ran but it doesn't justify the killing not at all that's the difference so when they released this they thought for sure oh we got this man um just released this we were justified you were not Mm-mm. yeah a person you were not. Run, a person running does not justify a police shooting a person with even with a gun does not justify a police shooting i mean we live in a second amendment country mm-hmm. and colorado springs in colorado state is an open carry uh state you you can be walking around with an assault rifle and the police don't have any 
there is no reason for them to mess with you unless you are trying to assault somebody, unless you point that weapon at somebody. You have the right, your Second Amendment right to bear arms. And in Colorado, uh, you can walk around with it. You you can go to Starbucks and you got jokers walking around with a gun and they sure holster do. on their side. A study was done where they had they had a white guy walking around with an AR-15 walking down the street. Police calmly get out, tell him, hey, so there's something going on. You know, why are you walking around with your gun? It's my Second Amendment right. I can walk around with my gun however I want to. Police leave him alone. Did the same study, same street. Mm-hmm. A black guy does it. Four police cars come up, draw down on him, pin him down, slam him on the ground, take the gun, handcuff him, put him on the hood of the car. What are you doing? What crime have you committed? It is absolutely proven that a black man gets treated differently than a white man in our society. And that is why in Colorado Springs, like anywhere else, the communities that the police, that that they police should be the communities that they come from. Because a white police officer that lives up in Flying Horse that goes down to to, uh, Prospect Lake does not understand when a young black man is running around and runs from the cop. His community says, I have no reason to run from a cop because... The police are here to protect me. Well, a black man that may live in another part of town says, from what I've seen, the way I grew up, I know I came from L.A., the way I saw it and lived it was when the cops come, your best bet is to run and hope you get away. Get home. Yeah, you oh. try, you trying to make it home. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and all of that uh, is very important. Relating to uh, people out here socially, culturally, to understand, and I'll say this, when the officers initially pulled up and, and, and told them why they were there, they did nothing wrong in that moment. Not in that moment. No, it was, it, it was, they, yeah. they basically made this, and this, I gotta make this point, because you can be good over here, and in a moment, changed the whole equation their initial conversation i thought was uh was reasonable as an officer look guys they weren't yelling they weren't yelling expletives they were simply saying look um but this shows the culture the culture change in a moment shifted Mm -hmm. so when he said to them we've heard about some burglaries here that fit your description i have no fault with that but doing the job at that moment, this is what we've heard. He said to them, don't reach for your waist. Now, that's better than what we've seen. Mm-hmm. But they voided that in the next few minutes, in the next seconds. It, it changed. In less than a minute. Less than a minute. Now, you would think when you see these officers come up, man, they're really they're just doing the job. He said, we're just going to make check and make sure nobody has guns here. But in a moment, in a second, from the time Devon Bailey began to pivot, the equation changed. Yep. It should not have changed. Mm-hmm. That's my point. So you're doing all of this stuff preceding uh, prior to this death. You're in, you're in, you're in position. You're justified. You're having a conversation. You're talking to them. Look, we, we heard this. <clears throat> but in a moment, a second, 
as soon as somebody, I saw the picture on Facebook last night where they showed the officer's gun out of his holster. Before he ran, it was a pivot, not even a full pivot by Mr. Bailey. The gun is out of your holster already. At that point, you have restricted any options other than deadly force you have taken off the table now. Absolutely. Now, now here's what my thought is, and Haisan, I'm going to get your thoughts. If you're that close to him, there was an officer behind him approaching. Soon as he said, don't reach, we just want to check. Where was the taser then? Yeah. Where was the taser? Because you're right within feet from him. But, yeah, you know what? Right? That's, 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 that's crazy. That's, and this is the point we try to make. There was an option on the table. Absolutely. In that moment before, so you want to say he shouldn't have ran. Before he ran, you were that close to him. As soon as you saw him pivot, tase him. All you had to do was tase him. You didn't have to kill him. This is my point. That's clear. You didn't have to kill him. That's clear. So once in those opening moments, you could have made a better decision. Now, they're not going to look at that. We're going to raise that. Where's the taser? Where's the pepper spray? There's three cops out there. Because I promise you, once you tase him, he's not reaching for Jack. No. He's done. That's what we're talking about. Hasana, what do you think? They didn't have to. They had, like he said, they had other options on the table. It's not a just. It's not just about the way he looks, but it was also they were judging him based off of where he comes from. Sure. Any officer is going to judge you based off of where you come from, especially if you're on the south end. They're going to judge you based off of it. It wasn't right. They didn't know him from Adam to Eve. Mm. They didn't know anything about him. They didn't know what his favorite color was. They didn't know if he graduated high school. They didn't know anything. All they knew was a description from a false phone call that they got because a young boy was upset and being spiteful about something that did not even happen. But it cost... uh, And it cost Devon to lose his life. I've known Devon for the last maybe four years now. I met him before I actually met Tiana. And he was he was sweet, he was kid friendly, he was outgoing, he was very helpful. He played with my son and he just he just had a really big heart. And all he ever wanted to do was make something of himself. Yep. He didn't want to live down on the south side forever. He didn't want to be living he didn't want to live in a struggle no more. Sure. He just wanted to move up. Well, this is what I'm going to do, folks. And again, uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, let me be very clear. Um, uh, Tiana, uh, Mr. President, and uh, Hassana are limited on schedule tonight. Uh, kids are involved. School's involved. Uh, what I want to do, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I want to get a closing thought from every one of you because of the time restraints. Let me make this clear. You guys can come back on this show anytime you want to come back on. Um, We may even go as far as to uh, if we got to do a pre-recorded interview with you guys to let more be told. We have no problem doing that. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, again, 
when human life is valued, is always an option. If Mr. Bailey had a gun pointed at officers, officers have no idea whether the next bullet will be theirs. They have to make a decision. In this case, none of that applies. No. no. Does not. I don't care how you twist it, how you turn it, how you cut it. I just thought of I just thought of that. That you were within feet of him. Feet. Taser, you could have could have grabbed, grabbed him. him. <laughs> could have put him right on the ground. I mean, you were that close. Yeah, but him. if you felt that, well, maybe something doesn't fly. There were several officers there that could have just grabbed him. Something could have been, listen, something could have been done. Well, not only that, they shot towards a school. A, an elementary school was in, the, right in front. My nephew was running towards the elementary school. Was school in session? No, no, it was it was summertime. The school okay. was it was um, where they were doing the registration. So okay. there were still kids. So there were people there. Yes, mm-hmm. and one of the eyewitnesses. There was a birthday party going on with kids outside. Hmm. Okay, and you shoot and bullets flying. You seven, eight, nine bullets. However many bullets, there's Could've still bullets going towards a school. Not only my my 19 year old nephew, but going towards a school. You had no regards as a police officer. You're trained to to before you take out your weapon to see your surroundings. To Correct. understand, you know, if I pull out this weapon and there's a there's a school behind, I can't shoot because there could be kids there. Can't or shoot. a park, I can't shoot. There's a kids there. Sure. They didn't take none of their mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. into hands. And period. I've been and I've been told that that uh, you you do not fire into mm-hmm. civilian territory. Absolutely. Uh, that's not only that. We'll hear from Dennis Merritt on that a little bit later in the show. Uh, just in regular rules of engagement. Um, doesn't fly. Ladies and gentlemen, this is AJC Radio being joined by Tiana Boone. Thank you. Isana Smith uh, Jones. Yes, sir. Thank and, you. And James President. They're going to give their closing thoughts. Again, limited on time tonight, but I guarantee you this is not the end of this story. We will continue. You hear our voices. And those voices, and those voices will not go out. The senseless death, a community tragedy, not only affecting a community, but a nation. Devon Bailey, dead at the age of 19. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. There was a shooting. When news and headlines following an act of gun violence fade away, who's left? The families. Gun violence is real. It affects more people than you would ever imagine. Losing a family member is one of the worst things that anyone could ever go through. This is something that's often forgotten, like what happens to the people after the incident. Although our country struggles to agree on a long-term solution to gun violence, we can all agree on one thing. Any family suffering a loss as a result of gun violence needs our support. The focus needs to shift to the human being. These continue to happen, and more people have join the club that we didn't ask to be a part of. There's families that are not getting the help that they need. It seems like there's nobody really rallying around the people who have experienced the hardship that we have. So many families in need, and I can really empathize with that. They need our love, compassion, and hope. Life for these families may not get any easier. Their lives are never going to be the same, ever. But with the support of others, they will get stronger. We can help. 
the Christina Grimmy Foundation, building a legacy of hope and inspiration. Every year, almost 40 children die of heat stroke after being forgotten in a vehicle. In 70 degree weather, it takes only minutes for the inside of a car to heat up like an oven. At 104 degrees, heat stroke begins, followed by loss of consciousness. Yeah. Should go an hour and a half or so. forever. Look Before You Lock, brought to you by Kids in Cars. Please have a seat. I'll be honest. Your resume is not what I'm used to. I know. Okay, so what would you bring to my company? What do you need? I need a hard worker. Good. I've got two part-time jobs and to help my parents pay the bills. I need problem-solving skills. I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer. No college degree, though. Not yet, but life's taught me a lot, and I'm ready for more. Well, you're not the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for. Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped talent at gradsoflife.org. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there, the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of America. AJC Radio returning tonight. Uh, Devon Bailey senselessly killed in Colorado Springs, Colorado. 19 years of age, African-American youngster, if you will, uh, heading with some true aspirations for a better tomorrow. Uh, a baby on the way, needing to take responsibility as a father, uh, as life began to shift and to send him down a road in a different journey. Uh, we, as we have, we've discussed on this show, and we've played devil's advocate as well, 
Devon Bailey ran from officers in regards to a accusation. As we said on this show earlier, it was a fear thing. It didn't call for the death penalty, though. End of the day, that if, if he's accused of burglary or whatever the case, it is not a death sentence. You go through the process of the court. You're given your day in court. Devon Bailey was never given that. Senseless killing. I've seen the video over and over again. We've been honored and privileged to have Tiana Boone, Isana Smith-Jones, and James President in our studio tonight, given their perspective. Right now, we're going to go to each of them for a closing statement, really, of the death of Devon Bailey. And I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, these folks will return on our show because this story will not go away. AJC, Just Cause organization, will continue to bring this message to the American people. When does it change? When does it stop? How many body bags have to be filled? How many funeral homes have to be uh, conducting services? How many families, how many broken hearts of family members, mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers, aunts, nieces, nephews, you name it. How many people have to suffer before we wake up and look for the alternative? versus deadly force. As I said earlier, Governor uh, Paulus calls for independent investigation into the shooting death of Devon Bailey by Colorado Springs Police. And I can assure you this is just getting started. Right now, the closing thoughts from these, this family on the death of Devon Bailey. Tiana, your thoughts. I'm gonna say it's a closing for today, but our voices, you, we, you will hear us. This is, this is done for today, but we're gonna continue until we get just, justice for Devon. That's yes. all that matters at the end is justice for him. Because like you said again and again, it's senseless, it's heinous, and it's a crime that they seem to get away with too often, especially with young black, black men. Mm-hmm. And it's time for a change. It's time for the community and everyone to rally up and we need to get our voices out and we need to be heard because these, these gentlemen who are released back on the streets, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to carry a weapon. They shouldn't be able to make a justified call again like they did on August 3rd. Yes. They shouldn't be able to have that choice anymore. That's right. Just like my nephew don't have a choice to live anymore, they shouldn't have the choice to walk around with a badge and a gun acting like they're self-righteous and they own Colorado Springs or the world if they think. Yes. So we're today we're done, but our voices will forever continue until we get justice. Thank you very much for that, Tiana. Isana. It's not done. They deserve what they get. They deserve to be where they continue to put everybody else. They deserve to be behind those walls. They deserve to be sitting in a four by eight, being just a number like they put all African American Men, that's what they deserve. It's not done. The fight is always going to continue. They may think they have won this one, but I can guarantee all of us is going to win this next battle. Okay, thank you so much. James President, your closing thoughts on this show. 
Well, I'm going to have to agree with them. It does hit close to home. I got a couple sons that age. And it's, it's, um, it's terrible to think that at any time, um, if they're outside and they fit the description, they can be taken away. Um, just because, to me, when he's wearing that badge, um, the first thing is a peace officer. And he should, to me, each and everyone, including an officer of the law, should hold the people they come in contact in high regards as if they're their own family. That's, that's how I look at it. I mean, it's like, that's somebody else's child. That's someone else's father. That's someone else's nephew. That's someone else's uncle. So you have to, you have to hold them in high regards. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just, it's senseless. No, I, I agree with you, Mr. President. And I'll tell you right now, folks, um, uh, just cause AJC Radio would continue uh, to stand against the injustice. And that's exactly what this is. Uh, to Tiana's point, uh, uh, he's not here. He can't speak. His son uh, will ultimately uh, have to grow up without their father. Does that matter? I want to give a very special thanks to uh, our guest tonight. And again, not enough time in a day to get all the information that we want to get out. But we will get it out. You guys, please know, there's an open invitation for you, other family members, if they want to yes, come sir. on this show. Yes, sir. Thank you. We will make that happen. You will always have a platform at AJC Radio, a Just Cause organization, to let your voice be heard. I can assure you, as advocates of justice... We will not rest until we continue to press for justice. Thank you. And I want to say thank you, everybody at AJC Radio. Thank you for helping us get our voices out there and being our voices, being on our team and yes. helping and making sure we get justice for Devon. Thank and we, you, guys. You're very, very welcome. Uh, this is what advocates do. This is what we are supposed to do. Very special thanks to you guys tonight. Our prayers, our thoughts to every family member, every broken heart every situation that seems difficult uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you thank you and there you have it ladies and gentlemen tiana bone hasana smith jones james president members of this community that has something to say we'll be right back there are no loose ends in tv procedural dramas at the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. 
A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you. All right, pal. Get ready for the day, buddy. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Do we have a gun? What's up? Do we have a gun? Why do you ask that, kiddo? Can I play with it? No. No, absolutely not. It's not a toy. You know that. Do I? I bet it looks like one. Yeah, well, it's not. Anyway, I need it to protect you, your sister and mom. From what? From bad guys, like on TV. But what about the eight kids who get shot every day by mistake? Their daddies probably thought they were safe, too. Where'd you hear that? TV. Yeah, well, maybe we don't believe everything we hear on TV. Where do you keep it? <laughs> it's hidden. I bet it's on the top shelf of the closet, under your sweatshirts. Is it loaded? It's not. I, I keep the bullets. In the boots with the red laces, and the chest beside the bed. I haven't found them yet, but I'm sure I can. You always told me to be curious. Remember when I found my Christmas gift? I'm a good climber, you know. No, no, that's not what I meant. Look, I, I need to be ready if someone breaks in. But what about when it's just me and Mom? You taught me to be brave. I could use a gun to protect her. No, Justin, I promise. I'll teach you how to handle a gun when you're old enough. And what if I don't make it to old enough? I could get bullied and decide it's too much for me. It would be so easy with our gun. Our gun? No, buddy. My gun. But it is our gun in our home. Happens all the time. I'll make sure that doesn't happen. I'm always here for you. But, Dad, you're not always here. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in a Kansas prison for a murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything his family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they've suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help. Oh, 
Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, AJC Radio. We continue our discussion tonight on the senseless shooting death of Devon Bailey. Uh, and those are, those are some things that are pretty interesting. I didn't think about the point being made uh, until at the moment that these officers were close enough at the time that Mr. Bailey began to run or pivot or to turn directions. Uh, there was an option for a taser pepper spray, anything you want to do that would slow him down. The question is, why was that not used? And why was it as soon as the picture I saw on Facebook last night that the appearance of a pivot by Mr. Bailey, the officer's gun was out of his holster already? Why is that, Dennis? It doesn't make sense. And uh, again, it looks like... uh, they, they had already made up in their mind that these uh, kids were either hostile, uh, that they were guilty, they were up to something. So uh, I, I truly believe at that point, that the, the, the t- at the time they met them, uh, they were already uh, had, in their, had in their mind that they were, they were going to have to uh, arrest these individuals. So as soon as Devon took off, I mean, that, that pretty much gave them the, the go-ahead. You know, like you said, if the weapon is already out, that quick, believe me, uh, they planned on using those weapons. I mean, against it goes against everything that I was taught in the military as far as deadly force. Uh, deadly force is that force which we use uh, knowingly with the purpose. We, we know that it's going to cause death or seriously bodily harm. And, and it's usually used as a last resort, but I, I, I'm not understanding how these police officers are viewing deadly force as the first result. I mean, that's a little backwards. I mean, even, like I said, even in the military, I mean, we're going against our enemy. And, and we're, we're making sure that before we use deadly force, it's justified. Well, and you didn't fire. These were rapid fire. It's not like you shot once. Pause. Wait a minute. Shot twice. Pause. They were rapid fire. No warning shot. None. Well, he got eight warning shots in the back towards his back. This, this is... It's uncalled for. It's uncalled for, and I didn't know that to, the, to be until I saw, and then even in the original video, the officer is coming up behind him as they reported in the report. So he's close enough to him. Why, why is it your taser out? Your gun's out if there's another gun in the fight. You don't know that. You don't know it at this point. And I think to um, Mr. President's point, and Tiana, if you're running, and he was running fast, how does the gun stay put? Well, this is the thing. You, anybody who watched that video, when you see him pivot, he's gone. I mean, they weren't going to catch that boy. And the, but the point was, when you when you said the successive amounts of shots. Just pop, 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 pop. I mean, it was just rapid. It wasn't, it wasn't, the the police officer was not in a defensive manner. He wasn't trying, he wasn't trying to defend himself. He was not in a position to defend himself. He laid down that fire that quick as the boy was running away in his back. And that's, that's the thing that people need to realize. When you, if you were to listen to it and don't look at the video, you would think that you're looking at a conflict. 
You know what I'm saying? You think you're looking at a, like or listening to an excerpt from a movie. To open your eyes and see it and see that this man is running away and you lay down eight rounds of successive fire just pop 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 pop. That's half your clip. That's a, if he's got a 15 round magazine, that is half his clip he just laid down. Yep. You see what I'm saying? I mean, that's the thing that is so mind-boggling to me. So to to your point, I mean, all the points that were were so true. Number one, he was wearing gym shorts. If you said he had a gun, why didn't it fall out? Why was he struggling to keep his pants up to the weight of the gun? And then when you when you talk about he was so close, he could have used his taser. And then to to that point. Police officers, anybody has seen up close with police officers, there's batons, there's tasers, there's there's maybe even pepper spray or mace. There's uh, several different weapons there to use to help restrain. This well, officer went straight to his pistol. Straight. There was no delay, no, no warning, just straight to his pistol. It doesn't make sense. No, and it doesn't. It goes back to our point that human life simply is not valued. And African-American and minority people's lives, as I made the point, how many Caucasian men have come out of not individual shootings, mass death, massive horror, where 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people are dead. They walk out with their guns blazing like they own the world, and they walk away alive. You have to look at that position. You have to look at it from that angle. Uh, There was a demonstration at the Colorado Springs Police Department over officer-involved shooting. That demonstration in Colorado Springs turned very ugly. Uh, There were two bounty hunters there that were brothers that pulled out uh, weapons and pointed them into a crowd of protesters. At the Colorado Springs Police Department, they left alive. And no charges were brought other than um, uh, disturbance of the peace. But you have weapons drawn. We're going to hear that clip right now. People are talking about it. Let's see what it has to say. We would love to talk about police reform with Colorado Springs. And as mentioned, this is not the first case we've had against Colorado Springs. There has been a history of some brutality and even some discriminatory, disproportionate enforcement against people of color in Colorado Springs. We have talked to them in the past about this, and from time to time they have been receptive to make changes in policy and in practices. We're hopeful that they will double down on that willingness. That, that is part of the family's wishes, is that this never happened to another person as it did to Devon. There needs to be a civilian review board. Any thoughts on getting attorney general's involvement? U.S. Yep. attorney general, the FBI. From time to time, the Department of Justice and the United States attorney general do get involved in these matters. Under current circumstances, we're not overly optimistic that that would happen here, but we welcome the review of any law enforcement agency that has a true intent to get to the bottom, uncover the truth, and to hold those responsible accountable under the law. I recently contacted the 
Department of Justice about corruption in our local government. I haven't got a response back, but I did get a call from a FBI agent wanting to know why I was going after the judges. I said, for corruption. My lawyer did their stock certificates. I know they're corrupt. You guys expect to see some video perhaps this week who gave you that expectation? Last week, uh, the mayor and others within the city indicated that their an initial investigation is coming to a close and that at that time they would release body cam footage. Uh, we take them at their word that that's going to happen. We hope that will be tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, the sooner the better in our judgment. How do we get the federal government involved? We want them to be involved. If, if anybody wants the federal government to be involved, I recommend that they ask the federal government to be involved. The Bailey family would be happy for that to happen as well. As, as I indicated, I'm not optimistic that they would in this case. But if they decided to get involved with a thorough and fair investigation, we welcome that. What questions would you have for the mayor or comments, but specifically what questions for the mayor? The questions we would ask the mayor is, how is it that in a circumstance such as this, that the officers apparently are trained to shoot somebody fleeing and who does not present a threat to their safety? Uh, the video that we have seen indicates that Devon was running away when he got shot. Uh, there is almost no circumstance that would warrant a police execution of somebody fleeing. That's not a serious enough crime uh, to shoot somebody. Any other questions for the mayor? Well, the circumstances could indicate that this was, would be an act of terrorism, but the family is seeking justice in the first instance rather than a huge political statement. They just want those who are responsible to be held accountable and for this not to happen again. Will the officer's name be released? The officer's name will be released eventually. Uh, very frequently, those aren't even released to us until the investigation is completed and sometimes investigations are frustratingly slow. This is the problem with the lack of transparency, by the way. They, sometimes the investigation drags its feet for weeks upon weeks upon months, and people think it must be thorough because it's taking so long. But it's not. The shades have been pulled down on the window and nothing much is getting done, and then they pull up the shades and they announce that the police officers have been exonerated. Now, I'm not saying that's what Colorado Springs is going to do here, the problem is we've seen it time and time again, and that's what we're demanding does not happen. I have a question. Will we, are we going to be ensured we go get justice when they, the Supreme Court, I mean the uh, Colorado State Supreme Court is three-fourths white? Are we sure that we are going to get justice for Devon? That's all I want to know. Three-fourths of them are white, okay? None of color, with the exception of two. And that's been proven. I researched it. I know what I'm talking about. So not only at the police department, but also with Colorado State Supreme Court, okay? And the Attorney General's office. We have no people of color in any of these key positions, okay? They may be part of the employees, but they aren't the ones who make decisions. The decisions are made by the white man only and the white woman now. So that's all I want to know. I'm, I'm done.
thank you all very much for coming. Uh, as mentioned, many of us, the uh, the ministers and pastors, uh, the family, to, to the extent they're up to it, and the lawyers will uh, be around after we break up here to answer any further questions you might have. Uh, I just have one more question. So you're talking about accountability, and I heard resignation. Who specifically would you like to see? It's too early to know who specifically should be fired or charged or resigned. We haven't even been told the name of the people. Why are uh, we protecting them? We will learn that soon enough. And when we see what the evidence is, because the family insists on a fair investigation, the family doesn't want people fired who don't deserve to be fired. The family want people held accountable if they are the wrongdoers. You'll know when we know. There's a live look there in downtown Colorado Springs as attorneys representing the family of Devon Bailey held a press conference right there within moments calling for an independent investigation into last weekend's deadly officer-involved shooting that left the 19-year-old dead. To get you caught up, there have been multiple protests since the deadly shooting. Officers have reported that at the time of the shooting, they were pursuing Devon Bailey as an armed robbery suspect. Now, police say he did pull a weapon just before those shots were fired, but his family and friends, as you just heard there, claim that he was not armed. They say that the suspect was shot in the back while running away from police. Right now, the El Paso County Sheriff's Office is continuing to investigate this, or they're going to pass on those findings to the DA's office. The mayor and other local leaders have called for the release of that body camera video, and CSPD has said that they anticipate to release that video sometime this week. We're going to go to News 5's Jessica Barreto right now with more on this case as this news conference wraps up here, Jessica. That's right, Bree, and that news conference is wrapping up now, but emotions really charged up here. I want to give you a look at the crowd right now, a really big crowd in front of the POC. A lot of folks still out here. There are signs uh, saying no justice, no peace. That was what they were chanting when we got here. Now, this group came here with a list of demands, and part of those demands include peace, not just for now, but for the long run. They want transparency. Even the podium they chose is a symbol of that transparency that they demand. They wanted it to be clear because that is what they expect from law enforcement. As they said, they want accountability. They say they want new folks hired. They want people to resign, though they weren't specific on who exactly they want to see go. And I'm actually joined here by a woman who I spoke to as she was arriving before the conference started. Now, Virginia Bridgewater, that's who I'm joined by now. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. So you told me before the press conference, you actually prayed for officers. You wanted to include them in your prayer. Yes. And you're, uh, you know, you, you're a very religious person. Why, why did you feel it was important to include cops in your prayer? before? Well, like I said um, before, um, I'm a believer, so I believe that even everyone needs prayer. Everyone needs to come to a knowledge or understanding of Jesus Christ. And talk to me about how you feel about the press conference. You mentioned to me uh, you want peace for the long run. You want people to come together and really suspend their differences. So do you feel like that was accomplished here today? Well, I think it, it was headed in the right direction. And like I said before, I believe with everything that's said, most of all, I believe when we start to see people, regardless of the sex or the race, when we start to see everyone is that we were all created in God's image and we're all sisters and brothers, regardless of the skin, because we bleed the same, um, then I think life will start to change then. Does this uh, Prince Conference, uh, does it give you hope for what's to come? Well, yes, I have hope, but then I have faith that it's going to change. As a believer, I have faith that it's going to change because that's what God wants. What do you feel about their demands to them wanting peace, transparency? 
I agree with the demands because again, I'm a believer. So the scripture said, when the righteous is in control, the people rejoice. Thank you so much, Virginia, for taking the time to talk to us. And again, this press conference is just now wrapping up. I want to run through a couple of the uh, quotes that I believe are significant and kind of uh, give an overview as to the sentiment out here. Someone said uh, they want an independent agency to step in and conduct this investigation because, quote, friends cannot be trusted to investigate friends. And also, they want to take this incident as an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to either build trust or further divide uh, folks out here who led this press conference say the nation is now looking to us to see what we will do next to handle this and I'm going to toss it back to you Bree. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen of America this is AJC radio where we Bring the message of justice all around the world. And tonight, interesting enough, Devon Bailey, the clip you just heard was in regards to a demonstration, uh, a peaceful protest at the Colorado Springs Police Department headquarters over officer-involved shooting of Devon Bailey. And you understand the outrage uh, that's going on uh, in the hearts of people that another African-American has been shot dead. Uh, I'll tell you right now, folks, AJC in a just cause, if the gentleman was white, we would have the same outrage. They were Hispanic, Chinese, whatever nationality, we would have the same outrage. So before somebody gets on a soapbox, well, would, would you care if, if the person was white or whatever? Yes, we would. Because it is loss of life. Violence against uh, community people and with those that wear the badge is a major problem in this country. And if you act like it's not, you are sadly mistaken. Um, and this conversation is not going to go away. Samson, your thoughts? Yeah, um, again, the statistics that are out there, uh, I mean, literally one in every thousand black men, minorities, have run the risk of being killed by a police officer. And they're three times more likely than their white counterparts. I mean, that that is not a, a statistic that is to be scoffed at. The fact of the matter is that when, and I, and I hate the perception that's out there, but a lot of p police officers have the perception that they automatically want to view any minority as a threat. Why is that? They're no more of a threat than anybody else that's running around there with, with pale skin like myself. Where they're not. The fact of the matter is, is, like you said, it's life. It is life, and there is no respect for it. There is no, they, there is no value now to, to human life. People get judged on, again, their race, the color of their skin, where they live, anything else like that. And when these officers decide to take someone else's life into their own hands, when there are so many other options out there for, that they could have done that we've already discussed... I mean, it's absolutely sickening, and, and people should be outraged over this stuff. People should be, you know, I'm glad they went to the, the police station and pro protested. I'm glad that this got put on, you know, nationally syndicated news stations. I'm glad that it's getting put out there article after article. I'm glad that people are actually out there 
doing their own research and looking at the facts of the situation, looking at what these police officers testified to, saying, oh, there was a gun drawn on us. There was no gun drawn on you. You just saw a young black man and took took life and death into your own hands. That's exactly what you did. And you deprived a community uh, um, of a of a young man who had dreams and aspirations. You did, you deprived a child, you know, of their father and you deprived a family of someone that they, that is, I mean, we heard on the show is integral to them, integral to that, that whole community. And now he's gone. And what, these guys are probably back on the street acting like they're doing the job and godly knows who else they're targeting. Well, I mean, it's true. Um, and, and you know what, very, let's be clear. Um, for the officers out there that do their job every day and do a good job, we have no issue with you. Um, we've gone as far as to honor police officers on this show uh, and went to great extents to do so. Great extent to do so. So this is not a witch hunt or an attack on law enforcement. It's an attack on the conduct of officers that in a moment when a life is on the line, you decide to take it. If you can go to sleep at night knowing I tried every opportunity with this guy, then sleep well. But I don't believe that happened. I do not believe that is the case. I do know one thing is certain. It is abnormal. It is outside of protocol that a hospital will not inform the family that Devon Bailey was dead. They refused to give any information to the family on the body of Devon Bailey. It was speculation for three days the body was not found. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. And the statement that the officer made on that clip uh, made to the media, to the news folks. No shots were fired until Devon Bailey drew his gun. Say that again. The statement by the CSPD was that no shots were fired until Devon Bailey drew a gun. That is a blatant lie. And all you got to do is turn on the video. When he pivoted to run, no weapon was drawn. And if the police department can lie about that, what else are they lying? How can we believe anything coming out of this investigation about the death of Devon Bailey? Because if it's all above board, why am I lying about it? doesn't make any sense took a life in every police involved shooting did you do all that you could to avoid taking life the killings across this country by officers that are not justified 
creates a huge problem in this country. Congressman Steve Cohen, who we've met with in Washington, D.C., put out a statement calling for greater accountability after the multiple shootings of unarmed black men took place in this country. Stop for a minute and the roller coaster starts again. More black lives are lost. And as I said earlier, if it was a white life, a Hispanic life, a Chinese, a Korean, a Middle Eastern, it is deadly wrong. And that's what we have to look at today. As I went to that funeral last Friday, senseless, 19 years old. Heartbreak like you have probably never seen. And we'll have a conversation as they do in all the shootings. We'll talk about it. We'll say, oh, something must be done. And get up and go on our way. Not this time. Not this time. Let's roll Congressman Steve Cohen, his thoughts on accountability and officer-involved shootings. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and I want to thank you for holding this hearing, most important. And I want to say on the front end, uh, I started my legal career, I was a lawyer, as the attorney for the Memphis police. Spent three and a half years working for the police, and I understand policing and appreciate policing and know it's essential for uh, an ordered liberty in a, in a society that uh, has on the front lines men and women willing to risk their lives. On the other hand, and I have great respect for Mr. Gowdy, and I'm happy he's back here, uh, he mentioned that he looks for the day that we rue the death of the lady, and I forget her name, who was apparently killed by her husband in a domestic violence situation, the same as we rue the, the, the problems with when a white policeman kills a black citizen. And I would have to say with great respect for Mr. Gowdy, there's a big difference. One is a private tragedy, the other is a public tragedy because it's under color of law. And while we'd like to see no crime whatsoever, and that would be wonderful, we can only mostly be concerned about color of law killings. And that's something we should be concerned about. It's a big difference. Uh, I would like to mention to uh, a question for Professor Ramirez. Uh, you mentioned that an investigation and prosecutorial decisions rest in the hands of DAs. And, and Mr. Gowdy mentioned recusal. Well, recusal is up to the DA. And uh, in the recommendations of the President's Task Force, uh, there were recommendations that we have an independent prosecutor. Congressman Clay and I have introduced a bill that requires states to adopt independent prosecutors' laws or, or face a cut in burn uh, JAG funding. This would present a solution. Uh, is part of the reason that the problem exists, is it perception? Is that part of the reason why you think it's important to have an independent prosecutor? Because the perception the public has that there is not independent analysis of the cases and independent determination of who should be prosecuted. Yes, sir. It is primarily a matter of perception because I believe that the prosecutors across the country 
try to do the best that they can and exercise the best judgment, but there, because of this inherent conflict, there may be the perception in the eye of the public that this was not a fair and full hearing. Yeah, and, the, and the DA's main witnesses are always police. And in, and in my community, the DA hires, which makes sense, former sheriff's people or police people to be their investigators. Yes, sir. Yeah, so there's an inherent conflict, and that's the reason we have our bill, Lacey Clay and I, because we think that you, it would, not only would it get, it would eliminate the perception, but also there's certain cases where it's politics involved. And, and the, a base for the DA who's elected is law enforcement, and it's a political problem. So that's number one. Uh, Ms. Rahr, you, you were a member of the President's Task Force, and thank you for your work and the, your colleagues' work. The task force recommended the use of independent prosecutors as well, where police use force and the results in death or injury. Uh, was that recommendation where DAs did not, um, it's in, if the recommendation was based on instances where DAs did not pursue cases against police as aggressively as they should have, or again, was this more uh, based on the mere perception of a conflict of interest and the damage that that perception can have to public trust? In, in our debates and conversations, the, the, the primary focus was on the perception and it, it is in recognition that we have to maintain public trust. There are many prosecutors across this nation that are perfectly capable, I believe, of doing an objective um, investigation and prosecution of police shootings. Unfortunately, we have to maintain public trust. And when you try to balance those two issues, it was, it was the consensus of the task force that public trust had to have more weight than just the, the pragmatism of having that particular prosecutor. And we're down to my last minute, but you mentioned training. Part of the bill I have with Representative Clay requires some kind of sensitivity training for police to, con to understand ethnic uh, differences and gender differences, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe sexual orientation differences. Do you think this would be helpful for police to have training in terms of the diverse societies that we have today? Um, I do believe it would be uh, helpful to have training. I wouldn't title it sensitivity training because I think the police would shut down immediately. Yeah, I agree with um, you. But I do let, think... Let me, I'm in my last minute. I appreciate it. Sheriff Clark, let me ask you this. Uh, you, you mentioned in your testimony that much of the population in the state and low federal prisons was for violent crime. And I, probably that's true, but in the federal system, it's mostly for drug crime. Uh, there's not so much violent crime there, and that's where the drug situation really fills up the federal prisons. Well, there you have it. Congressman Steve Cohen calling for accountability. The more I think about Devon Bailey, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of Devon Baileys across this country. I cannot understand how life is cut down that quick. Tiano alluded to the fact that this man was attempting to choose a better path for himself. He's a memory. Sad to say. Because once death comes and takes you out, can't go back.
Mr. Bailey's family, my, again, meeting with some of them at this funeral, met with the mother. She's from Georgia. Had a conversation. I am anxious to speak to Jackie, who raised for a great portion of his life, Devon Bailey. We can have questions every day. We can have discussions every day. But what action will follow the death of Mr. Bailey? The tragedy of all of this is that he's one of many. You heard Mr. President say they went to uncle's house, beat him to death. I met a gentleman Sunday. I'll leave nameless until we actually have a show about it. Colorado Springs Police Department rushed this man, a senior citizen, done time before. His face is scarred from being smashed into the concrete in Colorado Springs. He said to me, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. Kept asking the officer, what did I do? They bum rushed him. He has the marks and the scars to show it. A pattern of abuse by those that wear the badge. This cause organization will be in court with him Monday asking the tough questions. Where's the body cam footage, CSPD, that justified the slamming of this senior's head into the ground? Unacceptable. Your thoughts, William? You know, I'm, it's just sad. I'm sitting here, I saw the video, and I'd seen it before. You know, life is just, I'm, I guess really what's bothering me is we have to wake up. We have to, we as a country have to wake up and see how we're treating each other. The police, what they're doing, they feel like they're empowered to treat minorities this way. Looking at that video, it was reminding me of Walter Scott's video and the police officer in North Charleston that shot him, tried to plant, uh, appear to plant something there as he received, I think, upwards of eight rounds, uh, died. And we turn around, we just recently had the shootings, mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio, and I believe the boy in El Paso, they walked him out of Walmart or the area, Aurora Theater shooter, they walked him out. We need to really wake up, and we need to understand that race is, is at play here. We see a large number of police officers that are white. We see very few. I think in the study that the research I was doing of maybe around 25%, maybe 30% of the population of police officers in this country are minorities. We need to understand that. We need to really come to grips with the reality and what we're seeing. This is not, and, and see, this is another thing that really bothers me is that if it wasn't for social media, see, this has been going on. This is not new. 
But for social media and cameras on phones, we're now able to see it. It's capturing these things. And people are saying, this is what happened. This is what's going on. We've been telling you about this in 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 the um, minority areas of, of towns and cities. And, and, and people have been complaining about, about this for years, decades. And now we're seeing it. We need to wake up to this. Oh, without question, Devon Bailey... 19 years of age taken too soon gone too soon this is AJC Radio a community in crisis a nation with questions the senseless killing of 19 year old Devon Bailey we'll be right back for a kid whose mom or dad is in prison Life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room, to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Cam on stage, and I'm afraid I'll be killed by police. Not all police, just one police officer who fears for his life and thinks I have a gun. I'm afraid I'll match the description of someone who called 911. The police will arrive, and before I know it, I'll be dead. Not all cops are bad, but for me, all it takes is one who is afraid for his life, and that leaves me dead. He could have had a pristine record up until that, but if he's afraid that day, that means it's the end for me. He could have been a bad cop his whole entire career and not be afraid. That means the end for me. I used to think this wouldn't happen to me because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I won't ever be doing anything or be anywhere I shouldn't be. I'll comply with officers, but that doesn't always seem to be the case. Here's some examples of what black people were doing when they were killed by police. Selling CDs outside of a supermarket. Selling cigarettes outside of a corner store. Walking home with a friend. Missing a front license plate. Riding a commuter train. Holding a fake gun in a park in Ohio. Holding a fake gun in a Walmart in Ohio. Holding a fake gun in Virginia. Calling for help after a car accident. Driving with a broken brake light. Failing to signal a lane change. Walking away from police. Walking toward police. Running to the bathroom in your apartment building. Walking up the stairwell of your apartment building. Sitting in your car before your bachelor party. Holding your wallet. Not wearing a seatbelt in police custody. Attending a birthday party. Laughing. The thing that makes me most afraid is I'll be afraid. I don't know what I'll do if a police officer has a gun pointed at me and is shouting instructions. I'm afraid I'll move too fast, too slow, not fast enough. I'll reach for something he asked me to reach for and he'll think it's a gun. I'm afraid I won't be calm and me not being calm could be the end of me. 
I'm afraid that I can die in front of my wife or children or both. I'm afraid my children will be somewhere without me and suffer the same fate. I'm afraid the police officer will be in plain clothing so they won't even recognize that this is a police officer and they don't respect him and treat him like the authority he is because they don't know he is. And here's what's gonna happen if I die. People will comment on a post about me and here's what they'll say. If he would have just done this, he would be alive today. If he would have just done that, he'd be alive today. All you have to do is listen to police and you'll be fine. If he would have just listened to the officer's orders, he'd be here today. If you care so much, why don't you care about what's happening in Chicago? What about black on black crime? Don't you care about that? The media will find the worst picture of me to use. And since I don't have any brushes with the law or mugshots, they'll find the most menacing or intimidating photo they can use. They won't use any of my wife or children or my family because that doesn't tell the story that they want to tell. Tammy Lauren will get on TV and tell them it was my fault or Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh will get on the radio. Fox News will have a field day with me. They'll say, we don't have all the facts. The video doesn't clearly show. You don't know. What if he was? It looked like he was. You can't tell clearly. We can't see what's in his right hand or left hand. You don't know what the officers were feeling. The NRA won't protect me or protest my death, even if I say I'm a licensed gun owner and I tell the police officer that when he pulls me over. The video will be posted all over the internet in a matter of seconds, and whether or not you want to see it, you will see my dead body lying on the ground or a video of an officer shooting me or me dying live on Facebook. And then people will say it's not about race, we're all one people, all lives matter, and then life will go on. That's the scariest thing. After a while, life will go on. The officers may or may not get arrested. More than likely, they won't be convicted. More than likely, they won't even be indicted. And before you can totally mourn my death, it'll happen again. That's why I'm afraid. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. As a nation, we find ourselves in unfortunately familiar territory. The only thing I can think about as I saw the pictures of Devon Bailey growing up at the recreation center and football pads as the youth do, but then my mind went to the face of Devon Bailey in that moment, seconds before his life would be taken. We said it earlier, fear. Whether you think Mr. Bailey had a gun or not, whether you think he was unsavory in our society, whether you have thought these things and ran maybe with the media report and thought he deserved what he got. That is a tragedy that took place here with the death of this young man. When does America, if ever, will take human life seriously? 
if these officers are back on duty that quick, that is a culture of abuse at the Colorado Springs Police Department. Bottom line, there's nothing else you can say to that. We heard this week that Mr. Gardner's murderer lost his job for the death of Eric Gardner in New York City selling cigarettes on a street corner. I saw that video where the officer's knee is pressing so hard. into this man's head with screams of desperation I can't breathe I can't breathe but the officer continued until Mr. Gardner went into cardiac arrest unacceptable Death after death. The young man on the swing we talked about earlier, 12 years old, I believe. His name, I believe, is um, Mr. Rice. Tamir Rice. 12 years old. Playing on a swing. I guarantee you, if you change the color of Mr. Rice in a park on a swing with a toy gun playing cowboys and Indians. I guarantee you that young man would be alive. I guarantee you had Eric Gardner not been heavyset and black and maybe in a, someone in a suit selling cigarettes on a corner in New York City. I promise you that person would not have died. I promise you that. But because we have profiled people in our society as this or as that, because Mr. Gardner was a big man, does he deserve to die because he doesn't have a suit on? And when he repeatedly said, I cannot breathe, you killed him anyway. Devon Bailey may have had some issues, as most do. It wasn't a death sentence. It wasn't a sentencing of death. Because according to our laws, the presumption of innocence. He's been convicted of anything. But they continue to paint the picture. He was robbing somebody. Were you there? Do we know the facts of that case? Do we know the truth of the 911 caller? That his accounts of what happened was true. If that's the case, we might as well close all court doors and all courtrooms and form a judgment right now.
I cannot stress to you enough the statement made by CSPD to the media that no shots were fired on Mr. Bailey until a gun was drawn. Not that if there was a gun. What does it mean to have a gun drawn? That is an action by the defendant or the accused assailant. Drawn means I took it out and I draw, draw, drew my gun at something or someone. Did not happen. So my faith in this investigation, zero. Just sealed that one. Your thoughts, William? You know, we, again, I was sitting here as we were going through this. I was looking at the Philando Castillo case. Police officer pulls up, pulls a man over for a broken light, shoots him seven times after he told him he had a license to carry his firearm, said he had to light the firearm in the car. The police officer shot him seven times. Fiance in the passenger seat, daughter in the back. He walked away, was acquitted, acquitted. He killed a man. It was caught on camera. He was very well respected, liked, loved, worked in the school system, worked with children. When do we wake up? This kid was 19 years old, just started living, trying to make decisions as to be a man. What did it take responsibility for things? We just heard he was going to be a father. We just heard that. His child will be born only to know the memory of the father. And then the police department is trying to use whatever tactics that they can. The truth is in that video. For sure. Samson, your closing thoughts? Yeah, I just think it's, it's far too often now that we're hearing pretty much just variations on the exact same narrative. Cops draw down on unarmed black man for X, Y, or Z reason, and he becomes a statistic. It's happening far too often in our country. You know, minorities, not just blacks, but all minorities are being targeted, again, like we've said throughout the show, and they don't realize the collateral damage that they're doing, not just to the families and the communities, but to us as a society. They're building their own distrust to where it's, it's not just going to be one particular group. It's going to be we're all going to start distrusting the police because you're doing this to my neighbor. You're doing this to my friend. Who else are you going to do it to? For sure. Kendrick, your thoughts? Closing? I just think uh, it, it's setting a trend in this country when you look at since 2005, only 13 police officers have been convicted of an uh, officer-involved shooting. So from that point... You've had no other convictions, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, up to now, no convictions. So you're, you're putting in their minds this us against them mentality. You're here to protect us. We don't have a problem with police officers. You're the, you're the first ones we call when there is a problem. But we want to be also our lives weighed heavily before you determine that, you know what, you're a threat, you need to die. Right. That, that's all we ask. It's just a little consideration to say, you know what? We need our lives need to be just as important as the police officer's life and not to be separated, not to say that there's a blue life and there's this life. No, it should be you. You're here to protect us and our life should be the most valuable and important thing to you. And then you can get the respect of the people that you serve and protect. For sure. Cliff. Yeah, 
just goes to show that, um, you know, you you hate to say it, but pretty much nothing has changed in America. That you can gun down a black man on the street, and and from the stats that Kendrick just quoted, I mean that that is appalling. That nothing happens. The same statement. I mean, the police they have it down. Like I said before, they say I was I felt threatened for my life and the life of my fellow officer, and that gets them a free pass to kill a man. And and not just a man. I mean, you look at Tamir Wright, a twelve-year-old kid. Sure. How does a cop get off for killing a twelve-year-old kid for any reason? It's yep. it's ridiculous. But you know, I'm glad that we're bringing a light to it. And um, these families, uh, may God be with them. Absolutely, Dennis. Really quick. And seconds. again, until ac- accountability, uh, until uh, these police officers, uh, those that are rogue, those that are doing it wrong, until they're held accountable, until we start seeing. Uh, them going to prison for life uh, for murder and, and murder is what it is yep. until that happens we're going to continue to debate and debate and debate but again like you said earlier in the show get out there and vote vote for your vote vote for every office you can vote for that has anything to do with uh, the justice system and again a very special thanks to tiana bone uh Hysana smith jones and james president in studio tonight giving us perspective on this And to the families of Devon Bailey, the entire family, our prayers and thoughts go with you every day. Um, We will continue to fight for justice. And hopefully those that uh, may follow, God help this country to be held accountable for what has happened. This is AJC Radio. Good night. We're going to just check and make sure that you don't have a weapon, all right? Hands up! Hands up! Hands up! Get your hands up! Get your hands up! Get your hands up! Officers were responding to a robbery call on August 3rd. They spotted two men who fit the suspect's description. Officers told them to keep their hands out of their pockets and put their hands up. Both listened until Bailey took off. His hands were near his waistband. Officers pulled their guns and fired. We counted eight shots. An autopsy report found four bullets hit Bailey, three in the back and one in the arm. Once he was down on the ground, bleeding and in handcuffs, police searched him and they did find a gun. Bailey's family and their attorneys saw the video for the first time today. Nine News reporter Jennifer Meckles is live in Colorado Springs tonight with reaction from the family and the community as well. Jennifer. Kim, there was a lot to digest after the Colorado Springs Police Department released this video today. And the attorney for Bailey's family says they're devastated. It's been a a crushingly difficult day for the Bailey family, as you might imagine. While loved ones gathered in Colorado Springs to grieve Devon Bailey. His uh, funeral is tomorrow and there's a wake today. Attorneys for Bailey's family reviewed the police body-worn camera video. We were given access to it at the same time you were. What's going on today? Mr. Bailey was trying desperately to flee from the police and he did not have a weapon in his hand and had not shown any weapon uh, when he was shot in the back and killed, shot multiple times. We got a report of two people. The family's attorneys do not dispute that police later found a gun on Bailey, but they argue he was never threatening to use it. The police appear to argue that they shot Mr. Bailey because they feared that he was Uh, going for a gun at the time. Uh, We think the video shows otherwise. The video shows that he was 
doing everything within his power in the six or eight or ten steps that he could take to get away. There are neighbors, community members, and activists who have seen this video and feel the same way. It's not justified. It's not justified what happened to him. He was scared. And they didn't find out that he had a gun. They didn't see it till he was already down. He was already bleeding. I'm disturbed. Like, just thinking about, like, this is happening all over the country. And we see it all over the country. But now it's happening in our backyard. While prosecutors review the evidence in this case, a memorial for Bailey still sits at the site of the shooting, and visitors continue to come by and pay their respects. Now, there is a process for investigating officer-involved shootings. In this particular case, the neighboring agency, the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, will review what happened that day between the Colorado Springs police officers and Devon Bailey. Then, as of today, they've handed that over to prosecutors, the 4th Judicial District. Prosecutors will review the evidence and make a decision about whether or not the shooting is justified. They told us today that could take three to four months. But the Bailey family is calling for something different. They'd like to see an independent investigation. They'd like to see the state attorney general involved in this. And they'd like to also see a grand jury review this evidence and make a decision. Guys. And Jennifer, while they were with the, at the wake today, they have been saying they really want this story out there. So they were fine with their attorneys speaking on this day. Yes, I met with the family about a week ago and at the time and continually through the day today with the attorney speaking on their behalf. They want attention on their son's case. They want people to see what's going on. They want people to see this video. They've been asking for its release. And now it's here today, released to the public. All right. Thank you, Jennifer.